I've got Nick Ritchie scoring the overtime winner as he tries to take a penalty. He's facing the other direction, and it hits off his skate and goes in. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's going to be my I, – I might throw some money on that, actually. I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. Like, he's, he's in he's in mid-slash. Like yeah, no, he's, like, cross-checking yeah. promo drop in the mouth, and it hits <laughs> off his skate. He's, like, not even walking toward the net at all. He has no idea what the fuck is. This is season two, episode two. Cam, <laughs> Cam, are you that delayed? Cam is like a minute behind on his feed. Uh, <laughs> we're already off the rails. I'm Chris. We got Cam and Drew, and also we got Mike Zawissa and Matt O'Renick from the Three Pigeons podcast. Uh, Joe couldn't be here. I assume he's your version of Cam, where like we just keep firing him, but he keeps showing up again. <laughs> Joe's our Joe's our fearless leader. He's the he's the voice of the show. So so much can, like me, much like me. Then <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to preview the maybe happening uh, Lake Tahoe game against the Flyers. But first, we got some words from sponsors. Drew, you want to lead us off? Oh yeah, this episode of Brews and Bruins, just like the last eight or so, are sponsored by DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. I think that was my best read ever. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> All right, Cam, you got words for us? Yeah, I'm going to try to top that here. The Bruce and Burns podcast is also sponsored by Save More Spirits. You can check them out for all of your beer, wine, and liquor needs. They have all of the macro brews as well as a healthy offering of local beers and craft beers from all over. Locations in Somerville, Medford, Cambridge, and Malden. If you want to learn more, you can check out savemorespirits.com. That's save without an E and more also without an E, spirits.com. Online ordering also available at Minibar and Drizzly. And get this, free delivery with the promo code Brews and Bruins on Drizzly. That's Brews and Bruins with an ampersand and no spaces. There you Love go. It. Absolutely <laughs> nailed it, boys. So, yeah, this is uh... – you know what you're listening to. This is Bruins and Bruins, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehards, sponsored by Save More Spirits and DraftKings. Welcome in to Mike and Matt. How are you boys doing? Feeling good. It's uh, actually a nice 50 degrees out instead of uh, whatever, zero or 20, whatever it's been recently. So that's that's nice. Appreciate that. Can't yeah, relate. It's nice, nice break in the day for me. I actually live out in Denver, so it's only about 2.30 here. So... And like Mike said, it's been negative three to zero degrees. So it's always nice to have some some warmer weather. Well, I'm in San Diego, so we got uh, 
most of the time zones covered here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So as, as we speak, uh, there are many a flyer on the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, Uh, so you guys are kind of dealing with that. Um, supposedly this game against the Rangers is occurring. This podcast is going to be released after that. So if you're listening to this, you're going to know by now, um, we're hoping the Lake Tahoe game is happening. Uh, you guys optimistic about that? Uh, I mean, as optimistic as you can be with seven guys on the COVID list and uh, only 16 players at practice today. But uh, they, AV, I think, said today that they'll have 24 guys tomorrow for practice. So, I mean, uh, if eight of them are phantoms, then I guess I guess you can count that as a game. Is that an NHL-level game if, if half your roster is AHL players? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as as Bruins fans, we'll we'll take that anytime. I know I know the uh, Flyers haven't had the best of luck against the Bruins so far this year, but I, the feeling hasn't been that the two teams aren't uh, of equal skill level. So, yeah, we'll gladly, uh, I mean, probably lose against the Phantoms. So, <laughs> <laughs> not to like wish COVID upon anyone. That's not the vibe we're going for. <laughs> Chris, it sounds. Well, I mean, they already they already have it. So it's that's like... <laughs> yeah. So they might as well. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I think. I think it's hard to really tell whether or not we can field a full team because Travis Konechny was just placed on the COVID list as soon as yesterday. Was it Mike or Sunday, I guess now? Uh, Sunday, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's so hard to tell who will still have it come next week. I'm I'm more interested to see who we have playing on Thursday against the Rangers, and that probably gives a better indication. Um, but, yeah, our, our hope is that even if we're fielding some some phantoms players at least we'd still be able to play the game i think uh we wouldn't be too happy if the rangers were able to take our place yeah that, that's worst case scenario right and like you guys don't want to see that either do you want to see the rangers in place of the flyers on lake tahoe like, i mean I if like it's that's... the flyers taxi squad then i don't know <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like, right maybe so. honestly but no <laughs> I think the uh, league would most certainly rather the Flyers just because I think that would be a more even matchup than the Rangers. Even though I mean, we came, the Bruins came close. It was close calls against the Rangers earlier in the season, or last week, whenever that was, a year ago. I don't know. It feels like a year. <laughs> I mean, the Flyers, Flyers some guys. They've been waiting a decade for revenge in an outdoor game. So a decade yeah. plus now, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, what? 12 years? I mean, if they get it swept away because of a pandemic and it's another decade, <laughs> I'd be pretty, yes. pretty furious. Just un- unbelievably unfair, yeah. Before we get too deep into the weeds here, we have to interrupt the original recording of this podcast for a quick update. Uh, at this point, the NHL has confirmed that the Bruins-Flyers game at Lake Tahoe will be played on Sunday despite several key Flyers players being held out of the lineup due to league COVID protocol. We also know at this point that the NHL has moved up the start time for the game from 12 p.m. Pacific time to 11 a.m. Pacific time, so that will be... A one-hour jump, so for those of us on the East Coast here, was originally scheduled for 3 p.m. It will now be played at 2 p.m. That change was made due to sunlight conditions and player safety concerns. So, of course, the game being outdoors has already affected this game and will certainly play a role on Sunday on the ice as well. That's why we've brought in resident Bruins and Bruins meteorologist Matt Honig to the show for a quick look at Sunday's conditions for that outdoor rink at Lake Tahoe. Matt is a Massachusetts native and currently lives up here in Maine, so you can probably guess where his allegiances lie on the hockey side, but he's a straight shooter when it comes to the weather. Matt, that sunlight has already 
been a serious cause for concern for the league. What else can we expect out there on Sunday? What's up, Puck Boys? Hope we're all doing well today. Of course, we've got a big game to talk about this weekend. Now, I normally do the weather here in Maine, but I guess I can look at things in Lake Tahoe and California. I don't have much forecasting expertise, so we'll talk about the weather. We'll also talk about the game as well. Hey, looks like a really nice day out there. We'll see a lot of sunshine this Sunday. Temperatures will be in the low to mid-40s, which actually may present a bit of a challenge for the NHL. Of course, trying to keep that ice nice and cold, but I'm sure they've had plenty of outdoor games before. They probably know what they're doing, even with temperatures that are well above freezing. And that sunshine, that sun angle now is about the same as it would be in late October, so that may also help expedite the melting process. But again, I'm sure they know what they are doing probably know more about what they're doing than I really do know about hockey. Hey, so that's the weather out there. Let's talk about the game for a minute. Look, guys, I'm with you. I'm a big Bruins guy, as many of you guys know. Uh, the Bruins look great this season. They're on top of the East. We love to see that. I mean, they might honestly just, you know, not lose any more games. I would not be surprised. The Flyers, though, you know, they've shown some positive signs. They've shown some weaknesses, I think. I have a lot of friends from Philadelphia. I went to school in Pennsylvania for a couple of years, and they are very obnoxious, and they like to talk up their team. They like to think they're all high and mighty and all that. But you know what? I think they're probably worse than what their record shows. I think the Bruins should really have no problem in this game. Uh, so I'm going to say the Bruins are going to win by a score of 4-2. to That's my prediction. Hopefully it's more accurate than a lot of my weather forecasts. Hey, also, obviously can't talk about the Bruins without talking about some beers, huh, guys? I am drinking a Bennington Oatmeal Stout from Night Shift Brewing in Everett, Massachusetts. That's an oatmeal stout. It says here on the can it's brewed with maple syrup and Dutch processed cocoa. Hopefully it's Nick Ritchie approved. I don't know. I'll leave that up to you guys. Anyways, I hope this was a drinkable weather forecast you can taste. Guys, go kill it, go drink it, and go bees. That, the the only good thing the Flyers right have right now in terms of the COVID luck is that some of the guys on the taxi squad, I mean, Matt and I would argue are better than a couple of the guys on the actual roster, um, especially like on defense, like Justin Braun is cooked. Robert Haig is hey, not an NHL. Don't talk defense, shit about our, our UMass uh, boy over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a big fan of Brauner last year. I think we all were, but he's uh, – He's just he doesn't have his, his legs going this year. So there's definitely some guys that on the Phantoms that arguably should be on the team already. But uh, you know th- this might be a good chance for them at least. Yeah, and uh, I, I was actually pretty surprised. I think going into this year, uh, I think Mike and I both had the Bruins making the playoffs. That wasn't really something we were debating. But I think the biggest weakness I saw for, for the Bruins roster, at least on paper, was the bottom end of your defensive lineup. Um, but I've been pleasantly surprised. I guess not pleasantly. Um, but <laughs> I've been surprised at how well they have played and how good you guys look defensively and the ability to break out of the zone and, and things of that nature. I'm a fan of Clifton, Connor Clifton, because I grew up playing against him. Um, I know some Bruins fans from what I've seen have some, some differing opinions. I don't watch you guys as closely to know, like analytically speaking, how he plays and, and whatnot. But I know growing up playing against him, he's a, he's a scary kid despite his size. So. Drew, Drew, you got any thoughts on Connor Clifton? Yeah, so I went to Quinnipiac uh, when he was there. So I'm a big Connor Clifton guy. Um, 
And when the I was thinking, you know, like he, he didn't get drafted. So I was like, oh, you know, I think a team's going to pick him up, uh, give him a trial. And then the Bruins wound up doing it. And I was just like off the rails. I was so Got excited. <laughs> and then Chris, yeah. the last episode, uh, like spoke shit about he shat on Clifton a little bit and I got mad, but <laughs> I just think he's probably not the best defenseman to have in your line. No, he is the best. He's better than McAvoy, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> it can't, it can't be as bad as Robert Haig. That's at least what you can tell you, tell yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. Cam, you got anything? Yeah. I got a random question for you guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on Shane Gossespierre? Another guy who went to school by me, uh, and I know earlier in the season, I, I don't know if there was anything on this on your end or if it was just like Boston media being Boston media, but a couple people were linking him saying like, hey, the Bruins try to trade for him. Uh, he's a left shot defenseman, right? I, but I, I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, I haven't tracked him as closely the last year or two, but pretty well valued among the Flyers, yeah? Uh, or is he yeah, falling I mean, off? No, I, that's, that's the thing with Ghost. It's like... So he's he's two years removed, Matt, right, from a sixty-five point year or whatever, which is like, I mean, he was he was cooking that year, and he still though had a large part of the fan base being like, this guy's brutal. He can't play in his own end. He's like, you know, throwing shade at him, and now you know he's two years past that and hasn't come anywhere near that level again. And he's been in and out of the lineup. He's fighting for you know sixth defenseman spot a lot of times. Um, and I think it's now gotten to the point where it's like, I don't even know necessarily what value he has left um, at this point. But I will say before the Flyers went on break, uh, due to do the panoramic, uh, he uh, he got in the lineup and they were playing him with Ivan Provorov on the top pair. And the pair looked pretty good. I mean, they when when Ghost had his sixty five point year a couple of seasons ago, he was with Provorov, and that was also Provorov's best uh, point season or best season point wise. Um, they looked good. You know, Provorov can make anybody look good. He made Andrew McDonald look like uh, not a total <laughs> an NHL fire fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. Feet in and of itself, hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, Ghost. I don't know. I think I think Matt, you and I are like kind of still hoping that playing with Provorov through an extended amount of time will give him some glimpse of, of what he used to be, but it's, it's like that window's closing for him, right? Like he's only, he's, he's still only 26 or 27. Right. But it's one of those things now where it's like, we haven't seen it in a couple of years. So, and then injuries have, have really hampered him too. So. Yeah. He was coming off a knee injury that took him a while to kind of look himself. But I think Mike and I have discussion all the time about, especially when you see Kale McCard, Quinn Hughes, a lot of these players, not comparing him directly to them, but that kind of style of player. Like a lot of those players, at least the fans and the coaches are okay with their defensive gaps. Whereas a lot of the last couple of years, it seems to be selective accountability for Ghost, right? Like we don't like Robert Haig. I pretty much since he's came into the league, I thought he's terrible, terrible defensively, yet the mistakes that ghost makes are being held accountable. And I think as a defenseman, I played defense growing up. I think it's hard to be confident if you're being pulled in and out of the lineup based on mistakes you make, you're afraid to be the player you are. And that's kind of the, the question it is like, he is who he is at this point in his career. He's not necessarily going to change all too much. And the question becomes, do you take his, his faults? And do you think that his kind of his skill and output outweigh those? So 
I hope that he gets to play on that top line for an extended period of time. Um, past this year, if we don't play him, I really hope he gets another shot because in the right environment, he's a very good, very good defenseman, very good offensive defenseman, can run a top power play, great shot. Um, so we're just really looking for him to get a shot, a meaningful shot, and not be kind of held to an unfair standard. I've yeah, never my... heard him. Sorry, uh, but Cam, you mentioned that the Bruins were maybe linked to him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much of that was actually like anything that was being discussed or if it was just like a purely like theoretical, hey, this is the type of player they should be targeting. It was a while. I don't remember. Bru- wrote, Bruins media runs wild with that. And also, yeah, Bruins media, like you're hearing about two, like trading to Garask every other week. So like it doesn't, yeah. it's not even the logical part of it. I think the Bruins are actually a team he could really succeed on, especially if you – because they play a, a pretty tight team system anyway, and I like I, I can just imagine him suiting up with Pasternak and and Bergeron and Marchand on the top power play, and just easily like I could see him putting up 15 goals on a top yeah. unit with them easy. Like I, that is an interesting take. I'd never heard that before, but I mean, I could see why the Bruins media would would want him. Yeah, so that was that was what I was gonna say. Is that my my take on that whole uh, Gus Spare situation was that he had a really great season playing on a power play that was absolutely clicking on all cylinders. Um, and maybe that just boosted his expectations a little too high. And I don't know what happened after that in terms of you know, the drop off was huge uh, in the, in the following seasons, but um, I, obviously there's talent there and you need to have talent to cash in on opportunities. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, I don't know if he's the type of guy who could come to the Bruins and just give them uh immediately be put on a top power play with those guys. But yeah, if you put him in that situation, I feel like he is the type of guy who could succeed that. That being said, I don't <laughs> see that being a situation that, that happens, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the guy. Chris, it sounds like you're taking a flyer on him. <laughs> Ooh. All right, bye, Cam. How do I kick fired. Cam from the call? Oh, I can. Here we go. Remember. You just press the, right. you press the so, stop Cam button. Oh, we got to make that joke every podcast. Yeah. No, I removed him from the street. <clears throat> You're back in. <laughs> you switch places. There you go. I was gonna say I just want I just want Gus Beer because of his name that I always remembered how to spell by Ghosties Be Here. <laughs> Ghosties <No>. Be Here. <laughs> That's that's, that's Drew's only input there. <laughs> that's, that's my no, no. I mean, he'd be a good addition, especially if you're looking at like we got young guys like Lazan and Zaboral who have been good so far. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, when you're looking at you know uh, looking for a deep playoff run, you kind of want some more reliable guys there. And you know, they haven't necessarily seen extended play. I don't even know if they've seen any playoff NHL playoff time. Um, but you know, I, you, you kind of want a guy who has experience. I think, think Lozon may have played a couple of games. Yeah, I want to say Lozon. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's really valuable when you have a guy, even if you know, even if he wound up in like bottom six, uh, you know, bottom pair minutes. It's good to have a guy there that also you know has that offensive uh, power. Especially right now, we got Grizzlick who's dealing with an injury and he's been back and then out and who knows exactly what's going on there. Still not um, clear if that's just like re-aggravation of that injury a couple of times or if he's dealing with separate injuries. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, entirely yeah. depleted left side of the defense, just three, <laughs> three defensemen who weren't starting defensemen last year. So I feel like maybe it's worth like uh, at least looking into, cause it sounds like somebody who's got a potentially high ceiling and, um, cost-wise isn't going to 
break the bank for a team like the Bruins to make a move for. I don't think he'd come cheap necessarily, but I don't think they're going to be mortgaging their future. And it sounds like the type of mood that they've made with their forward core the last couple of years, the Bruins always kind of adding that middle depth guy toward the trade deadline, which um, I think there's still a, a need for this season, but I think more so defensively, especially on that left side, like these guys were saying. So um, I don't know. Again, I don't know if there was actually any like beef to this or if it was just purely speculation, but well, did you hear that from Felder and Maz? Yeah. No, he was listening to OMF on WEI. <laughs> Three guys who don't watch hockey. I, I think the big thing with like any team looking at another team's defenseman and being like, that's someone that we could absolutely use is just in the NHL for whatever reason, everybody always has a shortage of defensemen. It seems like, like even the teams that run the best units, it seems like they're still always looking like, okay, how do we bring in, like, what, who was it? The, did the Knights, the Golden Knights brought in like Alec Martinez last year or something yeah. like that? Like, I mean, Alex, Mar- Alec Martinez is fine, but they met him at the airport. They, uh, yeah, yeah. Like they, 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 they yeah, rolled out the, the red carpet for him. Like <laughs> guys, guys like that somehow, you know, team, teams are just always looking for defensemen, even when they seem like they've got, well, he did score a Stanley cup winning goal. So he that did, he just did. immunity, yeah. uh, Forever in the NHL, yeah. That Dave Boland got a what was it like six years from the Leafs or whatever because he scored a cup goal or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that, that's a good point. How how can you parlay a Stanley Cup goal? You, you just get really lucky in the right moment, right place, right time, and you're set yeah. for life. That's well, be Nick Ritchie and up in Vegas. You're you're the guy who can score big goals at the right time. For <laughs> yeah. Stand right at the side of the net. Oh, Bruins media would eat that shit up for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, here's you guys find the one year from the Ducks, the power forward who Matt had a very Lesky. good play, Matt Lefty. Yep. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. That was that was a, I believe, a four year contract or a three year. We, we bought him out after. I think it was, it was, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it and was then, I mean, purely on playoff performance in a short short window of time. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, he just literally came off like a, like a pretty decent season. It wasn't like he just like yeah, exploded yeah, yeah. and was. Like a superstar, he's just like, oh, he he like did decent. Let's go. He had like twenty <laughs> goals, like nineteen, twenty goals or something. I think like twelve assists, uh, playing with uh, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff, and uh, scored like six goals in the playoffs. And the Bruins were like, oh yeah, we need this guy. <laughs> and then we, and then we went. He with, throws the body around. Then we, yeah, then body. we went for for back as after another like you know has a physical presence and. <clears throat> that, uh, and then they tra- kind of traded, traded Riley Smith for uh, Jimmy Hayes and <laughs> the rest is history. And, that, and now we're with Nick Ritchie, but mm-hmm. uh, that one worked out. But no, we're, we're back. We're back around on big bodies now that Nick Ritchie is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just bought another decade worth of freaking <laughs> of David Backus and oh god, here we go again. That's all it has to. It only has to work one time for NHL yep. executives and coaches to be like, oh, that's it. We found it, right? Like it's this the, is yeah. the formula. So it's the galaxy brain thing. It's uh, it, what we got Brian Burke coming into Pittsburgh saying, well, like all of the last three teams who won the, <laughs> won the cup are uh, just like big bodies and like built around big bodies. So like, that's what we got to do. Uh, so look out for Sidney Crosby to have to waive his no trade clause soon. <laughs> oh, hot takes coming in. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's funny that this guy comes in and he's like, oh, man. Ooh, Blake Coleman, Pat Maroon. Those are the guys they built <laughs> the team around. <laughs> so, yeah, Zach, I want to say this. Go ahead, man. 
I was gonna say I think someone on Twitter actually did like the height and weight comparables for um, Pittsburgh versus Tampa, and Pittsburgh was actually bigger last season. So yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Braden Point. I mean, Steve Scamp like part of the playoff run, but like, uh, I mean, th- there are obviously players like uh, Victor Hedman who like that is a guy with insane skill and uh, not like speed, but he's fast for how huge he is. And then the rest of the team, other than like the third line, is just like normal size guys. Like Yanni Gord is like five yeah. nine. <laughs> well, it's like even even the guys that are big, like you mentioned, Hedman. Like Hedman isn't uh, an elite number, like what top three defenseman in the league because of his size alone. Like he's just that good. Like, and then guys like like Pat Maroon was he. Like, did it work out in Tampa for him solely because he was a big guy and like throwing his weight around? Like, I think Pat Maroon literally just stands in front of the net and which is like a good skill set. You can't move him from the net. You can't move him exactly. But like, it's not like he's you know driving play down the wall and stuff like that. That's just not his game. So yeah, it is. I don't. It's funny. Like you brought up Berkey in that discussion. I don't know how he's going to work out with Hextall, like overseeing Hextall because that's not really Hextall's like forte either like going after size guys or anything like that he's he's just all about the the sort of like two-way uh forward mold and guys like that like i'm just I, I really excited to to see uh what coach ron hextall brings in who has a name that sounds almost exactly like his. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to go with the redemption tour just take him take dave hextall from the the leaf <laughs> be an absolute it. nightmare I would I would love that for the Penguins just so they can suffer for as long as we did with him. So I'll be rooting for that. If they think it's bad having like Cody Cece and Mike Matheson in their lineup while Mike Sullivan is the coach, I mean, wait until Dave Paxtall is coaching those boys. He's gonna have them top pair, twenty plus oh, yeah. minutes a night, running the power play. We Haxtell was running Andrew McDonald on the power play. Well, yeah, at, full at circle time. on the on the Bear stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he was like victim number one of that guy just 100 percent. this guy will not play a hard game so he's out <laughs> i can't wait for that that's the only thing <laughs> that we have to look forward to right now with whatever <laughs> 10 players on a, on the covid list um, yeah okay, gonna... good, good segue though uh well go ahead drew before you uh oh uh, i was i way. was just like trying to think like you know, I really hope the Bruins don't hit that. And like when they do, I hope it's not like an untimely situation, like going into the playoffs or something. Like there's definitely going to be a team who hits that right or during the playoffs, maybe even or heading in. It's going to be the Flyers again. Yeah. <laughs> you think yeah. so? Yeah. The Flyers are going to single handedly prove that you can re get COVID and it's not that hard. To oh, the, the, new, <laughs> the new strain, absolutely. Yeah, or they're going to hit the, it's going to be the Philadelphia Flyers strain, is what they're going to call yeah, it. It's, it's, yeah. It's the Philly flu. Philly yeah. flu. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, uh with a lot of guys on the COVID list, do you guys have anybody to look out for in terms of like Phantoms guys? Phantoms guys are uh, taxi squad guys who Bruins fans should be familiar with before uh potentially facing off against you guys in Lake Tahoe. There's a couple, Matt. Do you want to we were just talking about this last night, actually? Yeah, I mean you you can talk about Kasha if you want. I think we mentioned I'll speak maybe defensively is one of the guys that I like who hasn't really gotten a, a fair shake, I think he got hurt when uh, him and Marshawn got in a tumble and he went face first into the ice and cut his face open. So uh, Mark Friedman is someone I like. He, he's a smaller guy. 
maybe like a similar mold. I won't say it's as good as Grizzlick, but in terms of size and skating ability, um, and does actually have surprisingly some, a little physical edge to his game. I think right now he's already better than both, both Braun and Haig and would be a good insertion in the lineup. Cause I think last time he played against you guys only played about maybe one period. Um, but there's not many, Mike will talk about Andre Kasha, but a lot of the other players are, are recent draft picks, which I don't really foresee them pushing into the lineup at 18. Um, I think they would probably defer to some veterans. Uh, who do we put in, Mike, the defenseman? Nate Prosser. Wow. Prosser Nate Prosser, yeah. Hadn't played an NHL game in like two or three years and scores on, I think, his first shift yeah. against uh, – who was that against? The Devils, I think. The Devils, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you might see some veterans like Derek Pouliot or Nate Prosser come in who we wouldn't necessarily want to come in. Um, but again, it really can't get any worse on the defensive side in that bottom pair than, than what we already have. You're so telling me Prosser scored on the Devils, but the Bruins couldn't score more than like one goal against those guys? <laughs> yeah, Chris, I believe you have a saying for this. For yeah, hockey is weird. <laughs> it is. Hockey, hockey is weird and dumb, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Matt. I mean, in terms of guys like, I mean, we've, we've played the Bruins like 25 times this season already. So I'm sure you, like, you guys are well aware of like Joel Farabee is, is off to an absolute killer stretch to, for in this season. He's, he's really no sophomore slump at all for him. So he's, he's one of those under the radar guys that like the Penguins, when we did it, we did before the season started a podcast with the Penguins guys over at tip of the iceberg. And they were like, who the hell is Joel Farabee? Like, why is he in your top six? And then he proceeded to put up a four-point night on him. Uh, an opening yeah. night. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're not going to talk shit about anybody in your lineup. <laughs> yeah. Not until Monday. Yeah, yeah, we, we, were, we were ripping them for having uh, Mark Jankowski and, and guys like that in their bottom six, and then he scored, like, three goals that, that series. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so guys like Farabee's going to get even more ice time because TK is going to be out, Scott Lawton's going to be out, Giroux's going to be out, Borchak's going to be out. So that's, like – that's your half your top nine. So a guy that I'm really looking forward to potentially drawing in the lineup is um, David Kasha, who's Andre Kasha's younger brother. Um, I'm sure you guys are slightly familiar with him at this point. Slightly familiar. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Andre Kasha has played like four games for the Bruins in uh, six years of ice time. So. <laughs> uh, he uh David is is like much smaller. He's only like five eight. He's one of the flyer's smallest players in the organization. Um, is he better at avoiding contact? Yeah, he's like I guess. I mean, we've only seen him in one game, but he's he was killing it overseas. Uh he was playing in the Czech League, playing like top line on his team, and then he came over to the Phantoms, already off to a hot start. He's extremely shifty, he's just always in the right spot. He's good at um, you know, good hand eye stuff like that. He's got a good motor. So honestly, if he draws in the lineup, he'll probably be playing top six. And I made a bold prediction on our podcast last night that if he if he does draw into the Thursday game and then Sunday, he's going to lead the Flyers and goals uh, through the weekend. Like he he'll be their leading scorer over the next couple of games because he's just he's going to get his opportunity. He's just going to be in the right spot. So I'm really excited for him. But then, I mean, besides that. Like Matt said, a lot of the AHL guys probably, I mean, like Carson Torinsky, he's a guy that Bruins fans would probably love. He really reminds me of like the type of bottom sixers that y'all have been 
you know, sending out their like Dan Heinen types and everything. Um, uh, Bruins fans hated Dan Heinen. So. Oh, right. Chris, <laughs> Chris, Chris yeah, absolutely loved him. I mean, I, I love that guy, but yeah, yeah, um, true Bruins Butter. stands will love this there you guy. Go. There's a difference between a Bruins. Uh, every every hockey fan knows this. There's a difference between a fan and a fan. Like yeah. we all know, we all know what the difference is. So I like to uh, think I like to think fans listen to this podcast. There uh, you go. The, yeah. the the type of people who hate Tuukka Rask are pretty sick of us by now. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't imagine it. We're we're already dealing with it with Carter Hart this year. I mean, yeah. I I'm. Absolutely. I may, I may have so. dropped him from my fantasy team today. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me check. Let me uh, no, different, different league, Drew. You have Flyers oh. fans disowning him as a as a player on the team right now, like human being, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's the people who can't recognize that it's not his play; it's the team around him's play. So, yeah, it's it's too much, too much Robert Haig. Uh, <laughs> Carter Hart's not the issue. I'm sure you guys too much. Uh, I don't even know who to mention. Then we call it the John Moore problem. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I just wanted to circle back quick to Farabee because uh, when I was, well, all of us were, me, Cam, and Chris were at the hockeywriters.com, but I got the chance to cover BU, Boston University, from the press box, and it was Farabee's freshman year. And immediately I could tell he was above the playing level at the, at the college level, division one level. And I was like, yeah, there's no way he's playing his sophomore year here. He's definitely moving to the NHL. Just like how important I suppose this season has he been in like, you know, looking into the future, how big of a role is he going to play? Do you think? I think he's been huge for us this year. Um, Especially Oscar Limbaum, obviously an amazing story coming off cancer and, Really, I mean, he played a playoff game at the end of last year and hasn't really missed a beat in terms of games, um, but he still really isn't himself, understandably so. He's probably playing at maybe 60% of what we saw at the beginning of last year. Um, and then with Sean Couturier out, missing some scoring, he really picked up the slack. I think he's close to, I don't want to say a point a game, maybe there's like 10 points or so yeah, in about 13. Right yeah. yeah, 10 points in 13 games, hat trick. Dave's first game of the year, four point night. So he's been um, he's been a pleasant surprise. I thought he would have a good year this year. I didn't think he'd be that good. He's definitely put on some weight. Um, he's not as easily pushed off the puck, and he has a pretty crazy good shot. So he's been probably one of our more pleasant surprises to the beginning of this year, uh, which we haven't had many. Yeah, he's your Nick Ritchie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been surprised about Nick Ritchie. I, every night I see your. Uh, your box score. I'm surprisingly seeing his name all over it. So yeah, no one knows. <laughs> not, not, on the, yeah. not on the penalty. <laughs> not on the penalty section too. The score. Yeah, that's that's the, we're we're on the Nick Ritchie apology tour 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Farabee's getting a lot of Simone Gagne comps recently. I don't see that one as much. Um, he he does have a good release. I remember in his draft year when the Flyers took him. I think it was. Craig Budden maybe was like this kid has like the second best release in the draft I think behind Ollie Wallstrom maybe um, but uh, yeah I mean he's I think the biggest thing with Faraby right now is he's scoring like last year when he would score it would be deflections diving for puck on a two on one like type of goals like that he's scoring all those plus he's also just wiring pucks from the high slot and everything which I mean you can't that's one of those things you know they always say like you can't teach size, which is like one of my least favorite hockey uh, things ever. But like 
for a shot like that, like you, you cannot teach that. That is something a guy's either going to have that ability from like when he starts to get in college level and everything or development level, or he's not. And Faraby clearly has that. So that's good to see. Um, I saw another comp to him. Someone like compared him to Justin Williams the other day or the other week. I thought that was actually a pretty good comp in terms of like, he can play up and down your lineup. He's going to score any which way he can. And he just plays a really, I mean, he's not going to take a game over, but you know, when Justin Williams, he like, he makes himself seen on the ice because he, you know, comes up with a big play or big assist. Big goal, or the big goal when you, when you need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if they can get a more consistent version of that out of him, I think the Flyers really do see him though as like, I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Like top line winger of the future? Like what, what do you think they think the ceiling is? Yeah. I mean, I, that's probably like the top end of the ceiling. I think uh, a consistent top, top six contributor for sure. I'd be interested to go around the circle and like, it's, cause the, these two teams are, uh, I would say the Bruins are, are more on the closing window and then the, the flyers are just cause you know, you got guys like Bergeron and, and Rask and Krejci who are more toward the end of their careers. And I mean, Giroux is not, not done and, and Voracek's not done or anything like that. And I, I think you guys have a, a better base of younger talent, maybe like in terms of, you know, how, how deep it is. But uh, I think the Bruins probably have, you know, the higher top ends, younger talent, like uh, Pasternak and, and McAvoy. Um, what, what fan base do you think has more to look forward to in the future uh, than uh, as far as like the next uh, three to five years, maybe? You're on a Bru- you're on a Bruins podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the Bruins. I thought the Bruins were done. Like I thought their window was closed. What was the one year you guys missed the playoffs because Tuukka Rask had diarrhea on the last day of the season? <laughs> I thought I, that was like no, it was actually because he was too he, scared. According yeah, to he Bruce, can't uh, he can't win the big game. Pressure. So yeah, yeah. Okay. so he just yeah. he popped out and diarrhea. Was in yeah, his that's right. That's right. I was totally forgot. Oh, no, uh, he was scared diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was scared shitless, literally scared shitless. Uh, I think that he. I thought that the the, Bru- the Bruins window was closed. Then I thought that was it. I thought, wow, this team is old. Charta is probably done. There's no way he's playing another season after this. Rask is going to get run out of town. Like I thought it was over. And then that was at least five years ago, right? At least. And here we are. There, I picked them to be the top team in the in the division this year. They're clearly good job for it yeah i mean (laughs) look the the bruins are studs as long as it's kind of the way i view actually it's like i always say about the penguins as long as they have crosby on the team they're going to be competitive the bruins are that to like you know the nth degree or whatever like as long as bergeron marchand and pasternak are all together the bruins can keep up with any team in the league and they do like you know good young talent in terms of defense coming up Forwards, I'm not as like hot on. Obviously, I like Pasternak a lot, but yeah, um, once you get to like DeBrusque, like it, yeah, it kind of drops off. I think that's where that. the Flyers have the edge. I think yeah. they just, like you said, they have more young talent on the way. So, but even then, like what within the next five years, the Bruins are probably still the better team, maybe at least the next three. Like, but beyond that, do the Flyers start shaping up better? Probably, but I mean, if you're a Flyers fan hearing that, I'm I'm sure that doesn't like that doesn't give us any great feelings. Like we're just, we're still what another five years off from being, you know, one of the top 
the, you know, the, the big boys in the division, like the Bruins until further notice, it's the Bruins, I guess that's, that's just the way I see it. I'm, I'm a little on the other side. Um, I, I think, I think once it, it kind of happens where like, okay, Tuka Rask retires, uh, Krejci moves on after this year, probably, um, who knows how long Bergeron has. And I, I'm thinking Martian's probably along for the ride for a few more years, but you know, once you're down to Pasternak and McAvoy, um, there really isn't much behind that. And the Bruins system is so bad. Uh, I think consistently over the last like two, three years has been ranked in the bottom three to five of prospect systems. And I don't know. How how old is Sean Couturier? Is it like 28? He just turned 28. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I I think that's, that's your Bergeron like just coming off uh, a really great season and, and has developed a better offensive game. Um, Travis Konechny's great. Um, and, and you have your number one defense in, in Provorov. And, and I think Carter Hart's probably uh, <laughs> a lot better than what he's shown this year, or what the team has allowed him to do this year. So I think I would be more optimistic as a Flyers fan for the next five years than as a Bruins fan. This year, I'm more optimistic as, as a Bruins fan, but I think there's a lot to look forward to if you're a Flyers fan. Yeah, I don't just real quick. I don't. I'm not down on the team. I think the Flyers are set up extremely. Hey, you're well, you're on a Bruce podcast. Uh, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I I do think within the next couple of years they're. I I just don't I just don't know if they're there yet. If they turn it around this season, then yeah, maybe. But sorry, are we still going like around the? the I don't know what the are we do we all have yeah, the same order on our screen? <laughs> We're all in the same order because, like, if I switch to the center yeah. here, I'm in the center. Yeah, right. right. yeah. You, you, you go ahead, Drew. Then we'll then we'll go to Cam. We'll end with oh. Matt. We'll close. We'll close it out with uh, a Flyers a, a podcast. Philly sandwich. Yeah, it was. I was just gonna say it's kind of it's tough to say, man. Um, I'm thinking, you know, three to. It really, it's like whenever Bergeron retires is when you start having a problem. I think with when Tuka leaves, I think Jeremy Swayman's the star. I think we have a decent air there, not necessarily a top five elite Vesna winner, but uh, you know, I think we're okay there. But it's more when Bergeron leaves, and you know, you have Pasternak and McAvoy as the center of the team. I think the Bruins are going to have to do a lot more work to build around them because, uh, kind of like Chris touched upon, we don't have the deepest prospect pool. Uh, so I think that's really it's really going to come down to whether or not Sweeney can bring pieces in uh, that work out long term, because uh, right now all the Bruins have really had to do is kind of juggle in these missing pieces. And uh, but it's going to start to get to the point where it's like, OK, you need another superstar. You need a first line center. You need a second line center. Uh, and when it's getting into that, that can be tough. So I think. I think it's an easier path, at least for the Flyers at this point, with the prospects they have to kind of more build into that system um, and are kind of on their way to getting there. Whereas the Bruins are going to have to bring in all these missing pieces uh, around that time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't want to just restate, but the only thing I can add is um, for the Bruins to have like two elite, like world class, you know, are going to be the top of their, you know, their game really in in David Pasternak and uh, Charlie McAvoy having that uh, from a, a forward and a defenseman who are already as young as they are like you know they're the the cream of the crop is pretty rare but um, like these guys are saying at the end of the day two guys in hockey can only do so much for you and uh, I think when you're looking into the future especially with prospects like depth is so important and it, it really is not a 
quantity over quality, but you have to have both. And the Bruins have premier top end quality, but it drops off quickly from there. And I think the Flyers are in a, a better position where you don't need all of them to be, like to work out, but they also have a you know the opportunity to move some pieces and not be depleted. The Bruins don't have much they can move. They're not going to trade David Pasternak. They're not going to trade Charlie McAvoy, and the the pieces below that are are much much less valuable, I guess. So the Flyers are in the position where they can move a couple of prospects and still have a very strong core, and I think that puts them over the edge. And then obviously having a goaltending prospect like Carter Hart is just really a, such a difference maker. Um, even if he's not having the best season, goalies are weird. Um, but to have a player as young as he is already show as much promise, like that's more than the Bruins have for sure. Goaltending wise. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with the overall sentiment that Br- the Bruins currently are the better team. I mean, we've seen that based on what the four games we've played were Oh, three and one. Um, and I think we've blown like three straight leads against you guys. So I think you guys do a very good job. Not the of only finding... team, don't worry. <laughs> I think you guys do a good job of finding the right the right pieces, as you mentioned, in the middle of the lineup. Craig Craig Smith was a great signing. I can't believe he got signed for that little across the league. That just shows you general managers in this sport have a lot of them have no idea what's going on. And like I said, I mean, you have Tuka and Net, you have a number one, a number two, and a number three center. You have the depth down the middle. Um, you have a tenacious fourth line. Um, and overall, just even though you're probably not as high on that bottom end, bottom part of the lineup, at least they can all move the puck well, at least from the games I've seen. There's not like glaring turnovers and you notice that like, hey, like I'm excited to watch when this guy's on the ice because you have an opportunity to score. I don't see that as much comparatively for the Flyers, but I think past next year or two, like you mentioned, I don't, I'm not as well versed in the contract situation, the cap room that you guys have. If, if Krejci has to leave or if it's a retirement retirement standpoint, but he, he um, wants think, to, he wants to keep playing. But I think the idea is that uh, Charlie Coyle is going to take over that second line center role. And maybe Jack Sidnika is going to come in and be that third line center. Gotcha. Yeah. We have some juggling like that too coming, especially with the expansion draft. I mean, JVR has had a resurgence this year for us. He's been another another bright spot. He's, I think he's like top five in scoring, something crazy like that um, in the league. And when it comes to the expansion, I mean, that was a person that many of us thought was the obvious person not to protect. Now, because he makes seven, because Jake Borchek makes eight, and then Drew's kind of, his, his contract's coming up. So we could easily kind of swap his cap with uh, Sean Couturier, they can do a little flip-flop. So there won't be much negative impact there, but they're going to have to make a decision, especially after this year, if they don't turn things around and make a move for that bottom bottom pair defensively. You might kind of see a different core, primary core, but like you guys mentioned, I think just because we've had so many first-round picks and Ron Hextel did such a great job drafting, we're going to have Oscar Lindblom, Nolan Patrick, um, Joel Farabee, Travis Konechny all entering their prime within the next two to three years. So I think past next year or two, just like you've all said, the Flyers probably have the edge, but until we prove it against you guys, and I, I don't see it this year for, for us over you. Hey, good conversation. That's good stuff. Love to see it. <laughs> uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about Flyers-wise? What's it like watching Bergeron like on the ice every night? Like, do you ever? Oh. Are there are there people that are critical of him? I'm genuinely serious. Honestly, like, never. He's no. the one he's like player the one that player. is like immune. Yeah, it's the one. We, oh, no, we it's had incredible. the 
up until last year, there was a section of Flyers fans who were like, basically said Sean Couturier just doesn't have it and he never will, which is absurd coming off of the season that he did before that anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I've never seen anybody say anything bad about Patrice Bergeron. I was curious if there was a large enough section of Bruins fans that are like not buying it. They just I'm, don't see it. We kind of live in a bubble on our like corner of hockey Twitter where like people get really annoyed with us being really opinionated about our correct opinions. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're kind of insulated from stuff like that, but from, from what I've seen, like I, I don't yeah. think anyone's critical of Bergeron. I, I think the biggest criticism of him has been uh, inability to stay healthy over his career. And that's mm. like a minor criticism because yeah, a lot know. of it was, was concussion issues early on and he overcame that and he's been uh, really good about staying healthy in that manner. And then it's been like, playing through groin problems and like uh, just shit like he's super Punctured tough lungs. yeah like he's just yeah, super tough and plays on. through injuries and has still like pretty good seasons throughout it and then like when he can't play through it like all right whatever yeah but even I, when he gets a penalty it's like oh that no that was a good penalty it did take away so honestly, honestly i don't think even, people even pointed out when he has a penalty like yeah and, and they always kill it off for him they just yell at the ref they're like there's <laughs> no way did he do anything wrong yeah i think like <laughs> even with as much as we simp for him it's still to answer your question like impossible to appreciate him enough like on a nightly basis just to be able to watch him and like it's gonna be one of those players where like even with how much I've appreciated watching him, the day he does retire, I'm gonna be like, "Shit, I wish I had like really like soaked in a little bit more." Yeah, especially so it, like for somebody like me who like he's been the centerpiece for them pretty much my entire like Bruins fandom, like mm-hmm. or consciously at least, you know. So a, a couple weeks ago, we did a, an episode where where we ranked our uh, top ten most important Bruins for this year, and I think we all had Patrice Bergeron in like the top four at least. But it was it was interesting that like we. We didn't have them all at number one because I did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Drew did. Uh, I guess right side of history, if you want to uh, litigate that. But because um, there are there are a bunch of really great players around him, but uh, it's it's important to note how many players he brought along. Like, is Brad Marchand the the player he is today without Bergeron? I think Marchand Absolutely admits not. he's not. So <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, it's yeah. I mean, it just a really important player to have uh, in your franchise. And I, I, I don't know much about Sean Couturier in terms of like what he is like outside of just in the game, but I, I know he's pretty well respected in Philadelphia. So I hope he continues to be that kind of player and uh, develops into your Bergeron. I mean, we're, we're fingers crossed too. Every time Coots isn't in the lineup, um, the team, I mean, it looks like a different team. So I like, that to me is, is all the evidence that Flyers fans should need to know that he's on that trajectory. But uh, you'd be surprised. Philly that's, is, uh, yeah, Philly, yeah, bad things well, happen in Philadelphia. That's all. You guys <laughs> well, that, that that is kind of why we've uh, we're not giving you guys shit about uh, oh the the Bruins are kicking your asses this year because I don't know, but was he there for any of those four games? I don't remember no, which no. ones. Yeah, he was. Okay. So, and and that's. That's a very important player. Um, yeah. I, I know Pasternak wasn't there, but uh, a little, little different when you're missing like your most consistent player. Yeah, fans know. Fans know that, but uh, <laughs> fans, I don't know. Maybe. Fans, not sure about it. Fans, fans. yeah, that's the difference. Fans and <laughs> <in> italics. <laughs> I have a, I have a decent question because I think they probably draw into like the same ranks 
I guess, defensively. At this point, I'll, I'll ask like a two, two-part question. At this point, who do you give the edge to between Proveroff and McAvoy? And then long-term, who do you think has a higher ceiling, I guess? So that I was I was actually going to ask the same question. I I don't know if I'm I, I've watched enough of Provorov to to give a, a good answer to that. But I mean, being the homer that I am, I'll I'll probably say uh, McAvoy at least I think has the higher ceiling, maybe offensively. I think Provorov, from my perspective as somebody who just doesn't watch, I, I watch a lot of NHL hockey, so like I've seen him play, but like my feeling was that like early on he was a very good defensive player and that's something that is hard to get the hang of, especially as, as like a rookie or uh, early in your career. And I think he had that early on. And I think Charlie McAvoy is probably a similar player, but I think the structure around McAvoy was a lot better when he broke into the league than, than Provorov who kind of had to do it from, from day one um, and didn't really have the opportunity to, go have that offensive game and and McAvoy was more I, I guess he he wasn't like free to go try and do stuff offensively but um I don't think like had that game initially so it's kind of hard to um I, I think yeah Provorov's developing that game and I think but I, I think McAvoy has has the higher ceiling in terms of an, an offensive game. I think they're probably similar in terms of shutdown defensemen, and I think they're both going to be really good. So I don't know. You can't go wrong. I'm, I'm going to say McAvoy just because we j- just did last episode this whole conversation about how he should uh, be considered for the Norris Trophy, and I don't want <laughs> to. Honestly, honestly, but I think back, they're, I think they're both. Back. I think they're both going to be Norris uh, contenders oh, at least yeah, in the yeah. next few years. Yeah, that, like you, Chris. I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen enough of Provorov, so I'll I'll go with the Homer of, of McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't know. I won't <laughs> pretend to be an expert, but <laughs> McAvoy's game is really well rounded for how young he is. And I don't know. I mean, I think they're both very promising. But knowing more about McAvoy, I gotta I gotta go with that. I think. But I, yeah, I, 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 there's a I reason do, we're so excited about him. For I sure. do. I do want to hear more on on your end, like what you guys feel like. Provorov's game is like what yeah. uh, what the feel is because uh, maybe I'm off base, but that's kind of the the general feeling I have. No, I think you brought up a really good point. I think coming into the league with your core that you had and the defensive structure around him probably allowed him to be a little bit more free offensively for sure to start his start his career. Now I, I want to say with his second year, Mike, he had like was it 19 goals? Yeah, yeah, goals? he had 17 goals and 41 points his second year. Okay. Yeah. So he, so I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think McAvoy probably has a higher upside offensively. We, we've watched him the last couple of years, even though he led the NHL in power play goals last year. Yeah. So, so I was going to say that real quick, Matt. His second year, he led the, the NHL in even strength goals by defensemen. And then last year, he led the NHL in power play goals. That, All right. Defensemen. So I'm way off base. Well, That's no, not- <laughs> weirdly enough, if you asked us, like, it was so weird because, with Gossip Bear leading the top power play, our power play looks better. So mm-hmm. on paper, you see, okay, he scored all these goals, but watching the game, like I think, I don't want to say luck, shots from the point, obviously deflections, whatever it may be, you have to get the puck through. There is a degree of luck that plays into that, in my opinion. Um, so even though he's had those very good years, I do agree that I think Charlie McAvoy has the kind of more flashy style to his game. He'll have the big hits. Um, he'll have some like nice goals off the rush, which, which 
Provov will provide us. He had an unbelievable end-to-end goal against the Canadians last year between his legs. Like he has the skill. I just think Charlie McAvoy probably puts it on display more often. And a lot of that is like you mentioned, our defensive core is still coming together. You guys have some veteran pieces around him that kind of allows him to play his game fully. So, and like, I don't watch Charlie enough to really give, I, I think that's probably the, the common theme. Is it's, it's hard to, without being a homer, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, based on this statistic, this statistic, I'm giving the edge to this one. So I, I wish I had more opportunities to watch the Flyers. It's for me, the, the games that I watch that are not Bruins games are mostly West Coast teams because mm-hmm. being out on the West Coast, just watching later night hockey after after the Bruins are over, it's mostly sharks oilers like shit like that where i just i i need my appointment viewing of connor mcdavid doing whatever the fuck he's going to be doing um rather rather than uh figuring out whether i should be watching the flyers the bruins right now connor mcdavid has ruined the uh like ability for casual nhl fans to or, or even diehards to look objectively at their own like prospects and be like they're gonna be okay they're gonna be fine like like you can't have a guy like mcdavid come in yeah Yeah. exactly like we're here talking about mcavoy and Provorov. like they're still growing into their game they're already really good players like uh, you could argue that both of them are the guys on defense for their team um but they're still getting better like meanwhile you have mcdavid out there who's just instant returns for uh the Oilers but uh, uh yeah I think the Rangers are kind of dealing with that the hardest like okay 100%. What, what do we do with Capo Caco and yeah I mean like I think you can be more patient on Alexi Lafreniere but yeah it's that that's tough when you get a bunch of high picks and they don't immediately give you what you want especially when you have players like Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin who are I mean at least last year uh are like top of the league types of players and you should expect to contend with those players but yeah hockey's weird hockey is weird coming back to that amen to just wrap it up unless we have anything else i want to uh maybe just go around really quickly in the in the theme of hockey is weird give our predictions oh, for the oh, game a score and perhaps a game-winning goal uh you want to do a, another cheesesteak again philly boys sure. on the end let's or, do it all right, cool. all right. uh <laughs> I'll go. Uh, I'll go four, three Bruins in overtime. Um, Flyers valiant effort from the Phantoms on the ice. David Kosh, or uh, David Kosh with two goals, but uh, Bruins Bruins get it in overtime. We'll go. Uh, we'll go Bergeron again. Bergeron in OT. Ooh. Okay. So I, I famously do not predict hockey, but I. <laughs> you are now. I love the idea of David Kasha scoring a bunch of goals against the Bruins when most of the fans uh, hate Andre Kasha for being hurt um, for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, David Kasha hat trick um, <laughs> with with a uh, back breaking goal in the third period to to put it out of reach where it is like two one with like three minutes left in the game and like getting right to that point where the Bruins might be pulling the goalie and David Kasha scores a goal and we're like, fuck. That'd be great. Yeah. Philly would erupt if that happened. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with the Bruins, but I'm also kind of on the theme of it being a close game and overtime just to kind of match what I, you know, 10 years ago or however long ago, the winter classic. Uh, Also 12, whatever, 10, 12, same 
not the same thing. But, I think it know. was 11, actually, <laughs> but the difference. It was 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Continue. All right. Well, now that we have that straightened out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be OT. I'm going to say I'm gonna say 3-2, and I'm going to put Marshy with the OT winner. Word. Uh, I'm going to also say 3-2. I'll go three two Bruins. I've got uh, Nick Ritchie scoring the overtime winner as he tries to take a penalty. He's facing the other direction and it hits off his skate and goes in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's gonna be my. I, I'm, I might throw some money on that. Actually, I'm pretty confident that's gonna happen. Like he's so, he's in he's in mid slash. Like yeah, no, he's like cross checking yeah. Provorov in the mouth and it hits <laughs> off his skate. He's like not even walking toward the net at all. He has no idea where the puck is, uh, but it's gonna find a way. Love it. That would be that would be par for the course, Bruins. Clearly taking a penalty against the Flyers, but somehow reaping the benefit from it. That would be uh <laughs> Yeah, we uh we talk about the pick plays you guys run pretty often. So I think that's what that, that came from. But that's why that's I, why I'm a lacrosse fan, because that's legal. <laughs> it, uh, I don't know if it's legal. It, it seems to be legal for you guys for sure. Um, but I'll go the, with the Flyers finally being due a win in this series. I think four losses to start off is, is fair. Sean Couturier will be back, hopefully. Um, and like you said, I, I think hockey's weird in a way that because he's back and then the rest of the lineups can be filled with older veterans and AHL players who probably shouldn't be playing, then we'll somehow win. I'll go with uh, I'll go with three one low scoring game. Outdoor conditions aren't the greatest. Hey, all right, that sounds good. All right, so. Matt, I know you said you're living in Colorado. I don't know if you're from Philly or what. Mike, are you from Philly? Yep, both from uh, Delco area, but uh, just okay, outside cool. Philly. Uh, I went to, I went to Villanova for college, so I'm familiar so with did the I. area. Nice. But, um, oh, cool. Yeah, there we fellow, go. Fellow uh, Wildcat <laughs> here. Um, favorite cheesesteak in the Philly area? Uh, Jim's. That's a good answer. I get it. Yeah. I got it. So I just actually moved out to Colorado. So it's funny. I get asked this all the time, and I really don't have a. Uh, I don't have a spot. This is. Are you a lover of all cheesesteaks, or are you a not big cheesesteak? No, I, I love. I love cheesesteaks. I just don't find myself in the city of Philadelphia all too often. So yeah, so, so just, I'm like, not going to ground like half eaten. Like that's good. <laughs> my, my, like my, enough for me. my <laughs> answer is, is similar similar to how i do like buffalo wings in, in buffalo like just go to any like pizza shop and it's gonna be good yeah. um but, but, but like for like the name ones i would say like jim's or steve's like those that's, are the, those are the good that's ones. probably the best answer i've ever heard somebody ever give for that question because my my real answer is the wayside market down the street from my parents house has the best cheesesteak ever but uh yeah for name you gotta go gems that, we that, we had we had within walking distance of of my senior year apartment at, at villanova it was a place called basilio's pizza mm-hmm. and they they just did like a great cheesesteak and then yeah. they went out of business and that sucked but such is the way of the world Apparently, it wasn't that great though. <laughs> <laughs> and the episode by ripping on an already dead cheesesteak place like, come on. yeah <laughs> All right. Well, so that was your Friday. That was your Friday content. Uh, half an hour longer than we were expecting to go. But this is this is what happens when yeah. you're on the Bruce and Burns podcast. Uh, thanks, Mike and Matt, for joining us. This is great. Uh, I, I think once once we get toward the end of the season and things are, uh, it, I'm hoping 
shaping up more like you know everyone's playing all of their games and hopefully like uh teams are vaccinated or um you know just things are better <laughs> i hope life turns out better once the end of the season goes this is a hopeful podcast um yeah well we'll have you guys back on maybe get joe on as well um and uh and we'll i, I mean i hope we're the top two teams in the division and we're talking about uh about playoff matchups and healthy teams um fingers crossed yeah. uh, thanks for joining this was fun yeah absolutely thanks for having us guys appreciate it <laughs>